Hey, Rage. How's it going, dude? All right. It's been a while. Yeah. This band's my favorite. Don't you love them? Yeah, it's going to be the best. I'm so stoked. Hey, girl. You want a beer? All right. Aw, oh, man. This is the best. I'm so glad we're all back together and stuff. This is great. Hey. Um, do you guys know about the party after the show? Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to go, but um, my friends don't really want to go. Can I get a ride? Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, episode six. I am Rachel. And I am Rick. Thanks for listening. Yeah, you made it. Yes. You've made it this far with us. We're enjoying this. We hope you are, too. I feel like we're getting better. We are. We are. Kind of. A little I, bit each time. I can hear it as I put the shows together. Good. Um, this week we're coming to you live, not from Rachel's uh, dining room, but from Rick's. So a little louder, a lot more birds. Still has a dog. Still has a dog. There's a show dog. Instead of a Kingston, it's a Sonny this time. He's a golden doodle. He looks like a wampa for all you Star Wars fans out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But not, but more attractive, I would say. Yeah, and less murdery. Yeah. I have not found a pile of bones where he sleeps. <laughs> so if it's really cold, can I get in there? Or? Please don't. <laughs> please please don't eviscerate do my sunny. dog. I'm sorry. Don't eviscerate my dog. Uh, I left my lightsaber at home, so no worries. We're good. <laughs> Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Because he does smell. Like a dog. Yeah, but like a, he has hair, not fur, so he never stinks too bad. What do you mean he has hair? Is he hypoallergenic? Yeah, because he's a, he's a golden doodle, so he's a golden retriever and a poodle oh. mixed together. Oh, okay. So he's got a he, different feel to him. He's getting comfortable in this crate. So guess what I was listening to this morning during breakfast? Do tell. Uh, little Simon and Garfunkel. I'm a big uh, Spotify fan. Sometimes I'll ask the fam what they want to listen to while we're eating because we don't watch TV while we eat. We always listen to music. And sometimes they tell me and sometimes I just do whatever I want. And uh, I don't know why it was even there. I think we were listening to acoustic 60s stuff. and uh, So that would have been made primarily of Simon and Garfunkel music. It was a song, Mrs. Robinson was on, and I was like, you know what, I want to hear that other song. So I put on Sound of the Silence, and um, or Sounds of Silence. The Sound of Silence. It is, I don't know, it makes me very, I want to be laying on a, kind of like the movie. I want to be laying on the pool and just eyes closed listening to that song, because... What movie? It's relaxing. The Graduate? Oh, right. Come on now. Well, I... Have you seen The Graduate? Yeah, of course, but you said the movie. Clarification doesn't hurt. This is true. Have you noticed, though, when you talk about songs that you love, it's like very geographical? You're like, when I hear this song, I wish I was. That is what I do. It sounds like like when you're declaring who you think the murderer is in Clue, I want to be on the beach (laughs) with a Mai Tai (laughs) in Maui. That's really funny. That's true. That's what I do with the song, I guess. And I'm going to start saying, you're wrong. And then you have to change your guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what, what my your wrong moment would be for that song. You're like, I want to be also, in a car by myself. On a train reading a book. 
Oh, yeah. Looking out the window longingly oh. while everything passes me by. Gentle rain mm-hmm. pattering on the windows. Mm-hmm. With my cat. With yeah. your cat? Yeah. I don't Thought have you... a cat, but if I, you know, if that's happening with the rain, I need a cat next to me. I right? thought you were allergic to cats. I am allergic to cats. You wouldn't have a cat. You'd be like, man, I love this. Hot you. Do they make hypoallergenic cats? The, the naked ones. I'm okay with that. They need love too. They do. My dog is being extra noisy this week, and I feel like leaving it in for flavor. This is life, folks. It is what it is. We have dogs. We do. Show sorry. dogs. Sorry if that bugs you. I'm not sorry. I can't even see you to care. What's that saying that the kid's sorry, not sorry? Ugh. Why do people say that? Because they want to be rude without committing to it. Okay. Sorry, not sorry. That's like code for... It, why not just be like, I'm not going to say anything at all because I'm not sorry. I don't know. It's well, Ideally, they should just be shushed, but they got to say something. Whatevs. Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. Check them out. Sounds of, if you haven't heard of them, number one, check who, them out. Who are you if you haven't? I mean, if you're young, I get it, but yeah. they're Titanic. And uh, if you haven't heard that song or seen that movie, check it out. It's very famous, The Graduate. It's um, Robert De Niro. No. no. Gosh darn it. Who is it? Don't it's tell Dustin me. Hoff- uh, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. I have fun finding out how much useless knowledge I have by having to correct you. I have a lot of it too, especially when it comes to movies and music. Are it's, you sure though? There's a lot up here. I, I, I would have come up with it. No, I'm just saying you, you didn't know the song title correctly and you're like, I think it's Bill Withers in that movie <laughs> along with, is it Julianne Moore? <laughs> Flat out making fun of my co-host. I, I don't can't think help Julianne it. Moore was even. No, I forget the woman's name. Twiggy. That wasn't Twiggy. I know. Oh, B. Arthur. Absolutely not. But that's a great movie, by the way. It's an older film by Mike Nichols. You think it holds up? Oh hell yeah, because it's all about longing for something, and when you get it, what do you do with it? You most movies are jerked to it and push it away. Well, n- well, not just that, but most movies never examine the. If you get your fairy tale ending, those two people have to live with each other for the rest of their lives now after destroying a marriage. Think about it. You never see the... And they all lived happily ever after awkwardly. Mm-hmm. That was why that ending is so iconic. I, too, was listening to a classic today. I assume there are a handful of Beatles fans among Weezer fans as well. Um, I At least think I hope there are. everyone is a Beatles fan, right? No. What do you mean, no? Well, there's the Beatles-Stones argument. That mu- music sounds oh, old. No, I don't no, like no. it. Nope. No, they're incorrect. I refuse. I do too. I disagree. But uh, the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was on June 1st. Firstly, 50 years old. Wow. Massive. Still feels like a very important and contemporary record to me. I listen to it the same way I listen to anything else new and exciting. It is a standard on my playlist as well. Yeah. I am always, it might not be that album, but the Beatles are always there. They're always a good go-to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on this anniversary, the uh, son of George Martin, Giles Martin, has actually remixed the album, which is unusual. Who's George Martin, you might say? He is the guy who originally produced and recorded the Beatles and helped bring them to fame. He was the fifth Beatle. He was the Carl of, of the Beatles. In a way, yeah. The guiding light. Mm-hmm. The shining beacon of... Was he, he was Wonder. a producer, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was a recording engineer and a mixer, and he wore a lot of hats back then. But his he's now passed, but his son Giles has sort of taken up the mantle 
of shepherding the Beatles recordings. He's the one who has done all the remasters and the re-releases. And you'd think at this point it's getting kind of old. Like how many times can they re-release this stuff? But as I said before, Sgt. Pepper's was remixed and that's unusual. Most things are remastered. So they're made to be a little louder or the stereo image is widened. And whenever you see a remaster, do your research. It's usually not worth the money. But in this case, it was remixed from the ground up because originally they could only record those albums on four tracks. So you can only record four sounds at a time. So the engineer would take those four sounds, put them on one track, and then work with all the other ones that he'd created out of four tracks. And then put it on there too? Eventually, well, mono and stereo. But the technical aspect, going into it deeply, isn't so important. But the guys, the Giles Martin found the original tapes before they were busted down into, you know, smaller groups. And it's so like he hearing... could work with the original sound to make it better from the beginning instead of And it sounds, it sounds incredible. I know this is a Weezer podcast, but uh, uh, Beatles fans need to check this out. I Rarely do you get to say it's like hearing something for the first time, but this absolutely was. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I'll probably buy it. Run to your local Target and or Walmart. <laughs> or if you're on the other side of the country, you're Meyer. Or if you're in the Pacific Northwest, you're Fred Meyer. I yes. Know. I don't I, I, I don't know. Or ordered Reese. off of Amazon. Who am Isn't I kidding? like a Reese, Jimmy Reese or Reese? I don't know. Something. But nobody's nobody's going York. to stores anymore. Ordered off of Amazon. There you go. But uh, yeah, it's. What's your favorite song on that album? Oh, you have one. That's not fair. I know. Which hand do you like the most? Um, a day in the life is probably my favorite, but that's an easy one. Um, I do love when I'm 64 because I'm a sap. I I don't know if that makes you sappy, but I that is like not even on my list and you too are incorrect <laughs> it's funny how that works i i can't even think of like all the songs on that cd now i now i need to know i now. must know i was going to say that giles is a fun name giles it's very english hello my name's giles i'm and, english and I, you sound like you're from london oh god what a terrible impression of... my father was george martin do you think he walks around and just says, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know who I am? Who do you think you are? I don't know who you think you are, but do you know who I am? I don't know. It's why I keep asking you. Anyway, we're digressing pretty terribly here. Uh, enough talk about music of old. We're going to move forward. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a Maladroit era track called Take Control in my personal top five of Weezer songs. Uh, maybe yes, one of the- this was your pick. Yeah, absolutely. It was my gut pick, too. Uh, it's got one of the crunchiest guitar solos ever, one of my favorites. And I like the lyrical content. I do, too. Yeah. Some fun aspects of that recording era of uh, dynamic change in the band. It was one of Scott's first appearances. So we'll dig into that coming up momentarily. And uh, it's going to be very exciting. So exciting. Control. Yeah, we're going to talk about Take Control today. The uh, track four off of Weezer's fourth album, 2002's Maladroit. Uh, yes. So Take Control is track number four. Is that what you literally just said? Yes, I did. 
It's uh, recorded in December of 2001. It is three minutes and five seconds long. Typical length of a Weezer song. Um, Geffen's The Label, written by Rivers. Uh, Rivers Cuomo song chronology number 601. 601. And for those... is a lot. Yeah, for those listening at home, there's 600 other songs. I guess in... Well, I guess back then only they'd been a band eight years then. That's a lot That's of songs. That's a hell of a lot of songs. Yeah. Weezer songs. 600 Weezer songs. Mm, no, Rivers Rivers songs. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's yeah, a he'll, difference. He'll pluck songs out of that to become Weezer songs. Yes, correct. Yeah. You are correct, sir. Occasionally. <laughs> Do you know what I noticed? Hmm? Maladroit. Not an appropriate title for that album. It's anything but. Does What does Maladroit mean? I should know that. I don't know. Uh unable oh not good Hmm. poorly that's not very nice no i think this album is very adroit i think this album rocks with an with an r-a-w-k that's what kind of rock it does it rocks rocks but a lot of people disagree this is an oddly unremembered album that i feel sits in kind of the same place that everything will be all right in the end does i like the droit the (laughs) is that your nickname for it (laughs) it is now the droit the droit. <laughs> you better get that copyrighted. It's coming on a t-shirt. I am, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it would be a, around the same uh, level of likeness as uh, everything will be all right in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just two, al- two albums that don't crop up in the discussion much. You know, people probably yeah. talk about the Red Album through Hurley more often because there's more fodder there. I also think that people don't talk enough about the other band members. Like it's um, sometimes I think it's the Rivers Cuomo show and we don't talk enough about Pat or Brian or Scott. No, I totally agree. And do you mean as like a a fan base? Yeah. In general and like the news even like. Yeah. I mean, Rivers is the general voice of the band. There's no doubt about that. And he himself, as we've mentioned before, completely enigmatic. He's an interesting dude who makes for a good topic, but Weezer is not a man. It's a band. Mm -hmm. And at the time of the release of Take Control, the band itself was uh, in a state of change. They had come off the heels of the Green Album, which was a massive comeback. Songs like Island in the Sun and Hashpipe were ginormous. Uh, But in between that record and Maladroit, they replaced a bassist again, the third Mm -hmm. in nearly as many albums. Yes, um, and they altered their style again. Maladroit came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. And this song is actually also, there's a live video of it on the video capture, capture device. I find it fascinating you're still having trouble with the name of that DVD. <laughs> but you brought it with you. It's I want to call today. it capsule. I want to call it like video time capsule device. In a way, In a way it is now. But the distinctive factor is that it's not underground for 50 years. So it's not a time capsule necessarily, but it is now. It is a moment in time when they put it out in 2004. Yeah, and it only chronicles the band up to 2002. I think it's time for a video capture device part two. Always rumored. has never materialized. Carl. Come on, Carl. Carl, we're calling on you. We need a number two, please. Oh, dear Lord. And aside, I'll have coked for the drink. I was thinking Sorry. I was thinking bathroom humor. Oh, no. I'm a boy. <laughs> a grown boy. Poop. 
Uh, I somehow knew that would make you laugh. Uh, easy mark. <laughs> Personnel is Rivers, lead guitar and lead vocals. Pat is on the drums. Brian is doing rhythm guitar and backing vocals. And Scott is the uh, bass guitar and backing vocals on the song. Not Mikey. Not Mikey. No, Mikey was gone by then. Yes. This album would be the debut of our homeboy and yours. Scott Schreiner, my personal favorite Weezer bassist. Oh. Not only is he handsome, not only is he in incredible shape, but he's a really good bassist that I think brought quite a bit of energy to Weezer. And yes. I wonder if he had an influence on the heavy rock nature of Maladroit and Take Control especially, because this song is a rocker. It's a heavy, heavy tune. It does tune. rock. Yeah. I would say it's a little less than metal, a little more than hard rock. Well, I mean, define hard rock, because well, when rock you say that, I think of, like, I don't know. Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah. Yeah, or... that's, and that's not right either, but it's the, the drums are extremely heavy, the song chugs, the guitars are heavily distorted. It sounds moderately like that. It's close to that. We just watched it on the on the, the live version on uh, in 2002 on the video capture, and... Uh, it it seemed fun. It was fun. Yeah, the performance is a, is way more sedate than mm-hmm. the the album version. Uh, Rivers his solo is it sounds like in, it's in slow motion. Yeah, well, it was the first time they played it too, so they weren't like in a group. Could yet, be probably could be probably one of the early days too. If it was, uh, I think it, that footage is from the summer of two thousand two, and that album came out in spring either late April or early May. So it'd be a fresh one for them. Mm-hmm. Even if it was already practiced, it's still not something they play every day or there's, whatever. There's a wonderful commentary on that video on the uh, DVD itself. And one of the first things Scott says, I think is like, it sounds like I'm sleeping, singing like I'm sleeping or something. I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. terribly as usual. Uh, but He says that it, seems like he needs some coffee oh right i'm not even paraphrasing I'm correctly seeing like i need some coffee yeah he said so. it was either in japan or in boston or in philadelphia they weren't sure all very similar but uh this song uh is among a set of songs that were uh not only heavily demoed and redemoed but were sort of created by committee oh i didn't know that yeah at the time rivers was interacting with the fan base pretty consistently and he would do a version, share it, get feedback, change it. I mean, I think there are like seven versions of Take Control. This song in particular, I don't think it changes too much from beginning to end because its structure is pretty succinct. It doesn't need much changing. Well, that's why I'm curious. Like, what were the different versions? Well, I mean, it's the same composition. So I, uh, the, in the demos that I've listened to, it's more about the quality of the recording. You know, okay. the more the demos go along the finer the recording gets and the later demos sound way closer to the quality of the record, mm-hmm. you know, where the Which record is good, yeah. good quality. Good job. Weezer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a song that, that opens up, um, with a riff and like a freight train barrels for three and a half minutes or nope, three minutes and two seconds. Yes. Um, super crunch, crunchy, crunchy. Yeah. I don't really usually like to use that term who uses that term you had mentioned that the you were... internet uses the term all the time in relation to that kind of music or to weezer in relation to weezer 
and Rivers' guitar specifically. And I don't necessarily think that all of his stuff is crunchy, but it's like a word that is used way too often for me. Somebody pull out a thesaurus. Of course, now that I've challenged the world to pull out a thesaurus, I can't think of a single other word other than crunchy. Well, I would say if there, if we want to use the word crunchy, that this song, it makes sense. Whereas sometimes it's like, what are you talking? Like, no, just it is what it is. Yeah, like burnt jam isn't crunchy. That's more whaley and high-pitched. Uh, it was first recorded in 2001 during the DC Demos, um, which is just like what they called a recording sesh that they did at a place called Monster Island Studios. Which, by the way, looks rad. It does look rad. I want to record there. Like most good studios, it looks like a building that, if you sneeze too hard, it'd fall over. It has a lot of colorful paint on the outside and graffiti, and uh, it's very. it looks very artsy. And it looks like it's in like maybe not the best part of town. And I did want to make a note. Did you look at what street it's on? No. What street is it on? River Street. Stop it. I will not. River Ziziz did that on purpose. <laughs> a question I have about this this picture, is this um, contemporaneous with the recording? Or is this just a picture of the building th- these days? When you uh, Google it, it's the picture that it gave me for Wikipedia. There's two pictures. There's this picture and there's another picture where they're all like painting... Uh, pouring paint off the the ceiling so there's like all these people and they have a paint can and they're dumping paint down the building and that's also a cool picture it's fantastic so the the dc this is in washington dc correct yes correct Mm -hmm. that's cool really cool i've never seen that photo i didn't uh check it i don't know much about where these things were recorded um well there's another uh studio that came up recently the sound Something in Van Nuys. Sound City? Yes. The yeah, that's famous... in Van Nuys. Yeah. Wait, didn't we talk about that in the last episode? No, I don't think so. Well, we talked about that. Uh, we mentioned that Pinkerton was recorded in Van Nuys. That's where it was recorded. Yeah. I don't think it was recorded at Sound City. I thought it was Electric Lady. Oh, we'll have to check it out. Who knew Van Nuys was so recordy over there? I mean, that's the valley in general. There's lots of studios. I um, recently went to a recording studio of a, a guy who produces a lot of Latin music mm-hmm. and it's in his backyard in Woodland Hills. Oh yeah. I went to another recording studio. Um, another recording engineer. Mm-hmm. It's literally in his bedroom. Hmm. He has the finest equipment I've ever seen. It's got to be millions of dollars in equipment and he does his engineering. It's not really a studio. It's where he mixes, but he mixes like really big records in his bedroom of his house. As long as it comes out good. Who cares where the heck you're doing it? It came out as Grammys. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And you're not allowed to say? It was the guy who recorded the last last, uh, Daft Punk album. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, really cool. I love me some Daft Punk. Yeah. Random Access Memories is the one he did. I like that album. It's a great record. It is. I. But another uh... podcast entirely. (laughs) I think I heard it at like a live show one time first. Uh, They were just playing it over the speaker and I was like, what is this? I need to know what this is. I love it. For Daft Punk? Yeah. Uh, Get Lucky, that song, right when it came out. I was like, what is this? I need to know what it is. I want to imagine that you were not with anyone you knew 
And you just started grabbing people by the lapels and you're like, tell me what this is. I did. I Well, I went up to the K-Rock booth and I was like, "What? who is this? And they were like, it's Daft Punk. And I'm like, oh, that that's why I like it. Listen to how much less interesting that version of the story is. Can you please go I with I went the... up to the K-Rock booth and I grabbed that kid. There was, I don't know. It's who. probably Stryker. It wasn't Stryker. It was oh. a kid. Nicole Alvarez? No, it was Beer Mug. It was Kevin and Bean. I grabbed one of them with each hand and I said, who was this I need to know? Bean, Kevin, Kevin Bean, tell me now. And Bean was like, I, 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 I don't know who it is. I don't know who it is. <laughs> they need to make fun of him less. I sometimes feel Bean. like, Ralph, please be nicer to Bean. Ralph please. is evil. He's so mean. But I love him. I love him too. LA radio, folks. Yes. That's dying breath. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're. I think they're just waiting for the day when they get the, the call. Let's get back to uh, take control. Um, so, in the summer of two thousand one, that's when Scott joined the band, and he has the credits for the song. Let's be real. Scott didn't just join this band. He anointed this band with his presence. As far as I'm concerned, Weezer wasn't Weezer until Scott showed up. Agree to disagree on that one. I just threw down the gauntlet, people. You did. I will see you. You straight up dissed the other two. No, no I'm not being dismissive. Just I'm just saying. Took their names and it was, put them in the trash. Weezer was a land of upheaval and strife. And Scott came in and said, guess what? We're sticking. We're sticking this out. Long haul. I will say that Scott doesn't, like, they all get along. They yeah. all get along and everything's happy and seems to be running smoothly. Scott, Scott must have had a type of presence where it smoothed things out. And I'll tell you what, if you guys disagree with me, you fight me. And I will see you Monday 3 p.m., the monkey bars behind the school. Whoever wins gets a Coke? No, whoever wins leaves alive. <laughs> oh, it's to the death? I only implied that. Will you joust or just fight? <laughs> um, it'd be like a slap fight. Or what's it like an awkward arm's length slap fight. <laughs> okay. Just, you're really annoyed. Whoever's the I'll least annoyed that, wins. Yes. <laughs> like, ah, it hurts. We're all red and covered in welts. Oh, somebody visual. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, we're, we're noting here that actually Scott joined on a provisional basis, which blows my mind because... Well, Mikey was having some, some issues. Yeah, so. Mike was having issues. So it was possible that Mikey was going to come back. But I think Scott came in and said, look at my right bicep, look at my left bicep, listen to how I play this bass, kicked in a jam and was just like, you're never going to leave. He you're was a fan too. That's true. He's already. talked a lot about how he's been in the audience in the early days. He was, in the, he was there for the early shows for the Blue Album. Oh. He loved Weezer going way back. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew he was always a fan, but. Yeah. Huh. I believe, and again, I'm paraphrasing, that he said he saw in them why they would be great. He knew that they were different at the time. I am a strong believer that I agree with the album. Everything will be all right in the end and everything goes the way it's meant to go. And I think that Scott was just meant to be their basis. Like they're, they're done. This is who Weezer is now. Yeah. And, and say what you it will. Was meant to be. I agree. And say what you will about the years following, you know, his entry into the band, the band has kind of been a roller coaster ride since 2002. Mm-hmm. You know, for reals. Yo, it's been great. It's been good. It's been average. Yes. But, I think it's all culminated in a band that is supremely confident in a way that it wasn't before. Because if you're not trying to replace a bassist every album cycle, you can make these changes and be who they are now, which 
if you've listened to Everything Will Be All Right in the End or the White Album, you know they rule. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the Blue Album and Pinkerton did not legitimize their place in rock history, I think that the the last couple of albums definitely remind us why they're never going to go away. Yes, I think they'll always Agreed. matter to rock. Always be interesting. Always have something cool to say. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a fun fact at Scott's first show with the band in August of 2001, speaking of K-Rock, uh, at K-Rock's Inland Invasion, an ex-band mate attacked him on stage, and uh, Scott just continued to play as they dragged him off. And I tried to find who this friend was, but uh, I couldn't. So if anyone knows, I want to know who the friend is, or see the video, or I want I, I just want to know because I'm nosy. I mean, let's be real. You guys thought I was being hyperbolic about Scott before with the biceps and the kicking things. No, he got attacked on stage and kept going. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm getting attacked? Well, I can't let the song suffer. I've got to play through. And he did. And that was his first thing ever. You know, that speaks to his character. Um, So they were actually at the DC uh, Monster Island to come up with like all these demos so that they could send them out and find a producer um, but they ended up just producing it themselves. So that's why it's produced by Weezer. Which can be a dangerous thing. This goes back to my mention of not being told no. You know, if, you, if the only oversight was the record company, Rivers could keep them at a distance. And I know at the time he had a contentious relationship with the record company. Because, why? Well, he released uh, half of the album to radio before the record company wanted him to. So they were playing Dope Nose on the radio. Before they were ever ready to release it. Because he just wanted to share with the fans or he was why? super eager to share with the fans. Because he'd been sharing the material back and forth. He probably wanted to, either he wanted to be done with it because he got tired of making changes or uh, he was just excited to get that music now, out in the world. Earlier you mentioned that he shared this song and got input from the fans. What was some of that input? Oh, God, I don't know for sure. A lot of that's lost to time, but it would be like, do you like this solo? Should it go here? Is this lyric better than the other one? And then okay. he would land on, you know, a type of version that was by committee. And there, there is some criticism of that song, um, those songs, because of that. You know, and unfortunately, maybe he of, shouldn't have done that, or no, that they're just too distilled. You know, they're a little. Um, uh, it's like cooks in the kitchen. Too many mm-hmm. people messing with the soup, so... Like, if you have something, you can't keep changing it because this guy says this and that guy says that. Yeah, don't don't overwork the dough. Agreed. But I, I don't hear that. I mean, Maladroit for me, it's a top. It's, it's a top good, three. It's a good... Uh, I don't know. Well, um, Death and Destruction is uh, immediately after this song. And I was, like, trying to get in the zone of Take Control and... Uh, it would move into that other song. I'm like, I don't want to take it back. I just want to hear Death and Destruction now. This is oh, good. I like it. This episode should have been about Death and Destruction and not a song you don't want to listen to as much. No, I like Take Control. It's fun. So um, I believe that this song was also recorded at uh, BBC. I didn't put the name of the studio, but they call it the the BBC Sessions. And um, they were recording songs to play on the like for promotion out out there and that would be there's a a pretty uh strong tradition of bands showing up it's bbc radio one that's the studios oh because do you know more about that 
Well, because nice. the BBC only has, uh, these days there may be more, but it's like BBC One, Two, Three, and 4, and they all play different kinds of music. So BBC Radio 1 is all the big pop hits, all the biggest hits of right now. BBC 2 is like adult contemporary, and BBC 3 is radio plays, and on BBC 4 they'll read audiobooks by famous British actors. Oh, so their them. whole setup is different over there. Yeah, yeah it's all <gasps> government-run television. Huh. Yeah, it's cool though. You you can stream BBC Radio One on um, the CBS app. Well, that might be fun to do. I'm yeah, gonna have to take that out. It's really funny. There's this trend where stuff from you know over the pond happens and it's cool and it and it hits the mainstream and it takes forever to get here. Like in the summer of 2014, all the songs that were huge on K Rock were big on the radio. In the summer of 2013, on the BBC, mm. you know, like I was listening to. Um, does it, go, that band it goes both the, ways too, though, right? Like our songs will be popular here first. <clears throat> um, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, Weezer songs aren't popular in Britain first, but there's a huge amount of, of pop music that comes out of that area of the world that ends up here and it just takes forever. Mm-hmm. What's that band with a guy with a really pretty voice, uh, Bastille? Mm-hmm. Like they were playing those guys ad nauseum, like way before they got over here on K-Rock and stuff. Is that the take me to church guy? No, or? That, that's hosier. Hosier. But yeah, probably, I don't know. But either way, another odd digression from me. That's okay. But yeah, they, they you, these bands show up and the way they promote, they'll do these um, awesome acoustic sessions or just live versions of the songs to promote. Mm. And they get published by BBC. And they'll play those ones on the radio there? No, 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 no. It's just like a separate version of the performance. Oh, cool. Yeah, like so another... you just get like another chance to record or do it in a different way. Yeah. In a different place. Yeah, it's really cool. That's fun. Well, eight of the songs that they did there, um, they did eight songs, sorry. And then four of them were aired on BBC Radio. And then four of them they finished out here in LA. And four of them are on Melodroit. And oh. the other four are not. Wait a second. I might be confusing things. The BBC sessions, they recorded songs for the album on BBC Radio 1? Because the evening sessions would be their own type of thing. These wouldn't be ones that end up on the album. It is a song that they recorded there as well. Interesting. Now, if that's the version that ended up on the album, I cannot say. I can hardly imagine that it did. I don't know. I don't know the kind of quality. We should we should look that up and listen to it. The BBC sessions. Yeah, we probably should have before the show. Whoops. Whatevs. Whatevs. It's all good. Um, and... You know, just my final little note. Uh, Rolling Stone said, um, oh, and all of this information that I gather is usually off of Weezerpedia, Wikipedia, or just Googling the internet. And uh, so I just kind of mash it all together. Um, But Rolling Stone said that the band's best trick on Maladroit is combining glam rock riffs with doo-wop vocals, Keep Fishin' starts with Bowie's Gene Genie shuffle, while Take Control nods at T-Rex's Children of the Revolution. Wilson and Schreiner maintain the tension as Cuomo singing veers into woo-woo land. I can, I can totally hear that. There's a, like a beseeching quality to uh, the lyrics on Maladroit, which are like all Good Rivers lyrics deceptively simple there's not a lot to this i think there's uh four two main stanzas and little i don't know there's very little meat to these bones um 
the well yeah there's really not much to the lyrics but his performance is really beautiful the song is seems like a it, it, the the tone of the song makes me feel like he's telling somebody who doesn't give a shit like i won't be ashamed of what we made i i won't drag your name around but it's too late it feels too late to me my my vibe was he's singing these lyrics but it's too late cuz it's not sung like a promise that you'd make like if this were like an r&b song you know be a promise that you make to your girl because you're never going to hurt her. I feel like River's already hurt whoever this song is about. Yeah, he's saying, or to me, he's he's like... Um, I'm 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 not sorry and I'm out of here but I'm not going to talk shit about you. Basically. Exactly. And of course, if we're to take the lyrics literally, it also sounds like yo girl, I'm done with you, but don't worry about it. I won't tell him all the nasty stuff you did. Like maybe perhaps he was hurt by a person and he's taking control of himself. It's such mm-hmm. a surface surface and analysis of this song, but you know, he's I'm going to go on with dignity. I like it. He's asserting himself. Yeah. It's a powerful song too. And while when he sings it, like it's uh, like I, I believe it too. It's like he's like, I won't be coming back here no more. But he like sings it with his heart and like obviously sounds like you know just coming out of him the feelings and he's basically he's done. Yeah, yeah he's done, but he's done with class. Mm-hmm. He's got you know he's gonna move on with his life and everything's gonna be. Okay. You know, I noticed in our shows that we have this tendency to say everything will be all right in the end, but not in reference to the album. But it sounds so intentional. Just all the time. <laughs> we do it enough that I don't like it. We're not going to do that Stop anymore. Stop saying that. That's our third host, Juliet's <laughs> weird twin they keep in the attic. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, and the reason why I love this song so much, is the solo. green album there were a lot of complaints that the solos were just mirrors of the choruses which they were mm-hmm. um yes. i don't know if the complaints are valid but it is true the vocal melodies and the guitar melodies are the same if you're not like specifically looking for that or thinking about it it doesn't necessarily pop out to you but it's like somebody showing you a spot on their black shirt and you're like, oh, I never would have noticed that unless you told me. So it's kind of that. Oh, I, got, I don't think it's that subtle at all. It's so obvious. But I like it, though, because his chorus melodies are catchy as shit. But your casual listener isn't going to be oh, like, oh, those guitar riffs are exactly the same. You sound a lot like the people who Sorry. complain about it. Sorry. That was good. <laughs> that was my judgy fan. But on Maladroit, the, the guitar solos do not follow that uh method uh the guitar solo on this thing that's why people use the word crunchy because this thing is uh, a monster and uh it takes you on a little bit of a journey and my favorite part about it is 
that the 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 guitar itself was recorded um, was layered over itself, which is what it doubles or triples down on that amazing yes, it's a dense sound. So he just plays it and then plays over it. And plays over track it. is what they call it. Mm-hmm. And that's what breeds that huge rock sound. They'll pan that out to stereo, or maybe it's up the center. It could be in the center of the mix. I don't remember. Well, they kind of call. I mean, don't they kind of call that cheating too? No, that's a perfectly acceptable recording technique. Okay. It's know. like uh, you double I mean, your. You, you need another guitar player if you really wanted to achieve that live. Well, yeah, but there's like pedals and effects you can use, and then the live thing is a different beast. You go for a certain sound on your recording, and then you adapt the song to be live. Okay. You know, he can probably play that. He's probably got that solo. I mean, I don't think he's played that song live in the last decade or more. But uh, if he does, he'd probably, you know, have a pedal that plays the guitar solo with him, or he just. You know, plays it singly. I want to hear this song live. I would love to. There's so many Weezer songs I'd love to hear live. It's a rockin' song. Yeah. Like, you just, you gotta rock out, like... It's definitely like a headbanger mm-hmm. and putting up the devil horns, but... But I get I get why they probably don't play it. I mean, could you imagine this song, like, it'd be like a bulldozer in the center of things like California Kids and Buddy Holly... Yeah, you would definitely have to like come up with like a playlist or a set list first and make sure it flowed nicely or you could end on it or you could start with it. Yeah, they didn't even... Imagine starting with this song. Holy crap. That'd be fun. That'd be ridiculous. I um, remember when they were on the Memories Tour, they would do a Greatest Hits show uh, before each album night. And I was like, can they please, for the love of God... Play Take Control. And I've never heard it live, not one time. Even even when I saw them in 2002, I don't think they played it. Mm. I saw them with Hometown Lame. Hero. For all you Hometown Hero fans. No idea who that is. Um, I, w- I also made a like mental note that it sounds like he's pleading. Like, like, a, like please, just stop. Go. You know, stop, like, go what, though? You need to elaborate for me. For us, for the audience. Uh, I think he's wanting, he, or, and I don't even know if it's a person, but I think it's like everything and everyone, like, leave me alone. I, I just need a break or I need to get my sh- stuff together. Your stuff, yeah. My shiitake. Your shiitake. Mm-hmm. That's cute. That's what I say when I don't yeah, want to cuss. Where the lyrics are sort of this graceful leaving behind of whatever drama or pain he's in, that guitar solo sounds to me like, you better take me seriously. I am super done because the guitar solo is where the lyrics are pleading and classy and sort of, sort of lovely, you know, like uh-huh. an upstanding way to say goodbye. The guitar solo is like angry. It's forceful. It is not passive. That guitar solo hits you right in the face. It's a good one. Yeah. And let's talk about uh, Pat's drumming on that song. Pat's drumming is awesome. Yep. And that's it. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> Uh, no, the, I mean, see you tomorrow. Yeah, see you next week. Uh, no, Pat's drumming on that. I mean, he's drumming hard rock drumming. You know, he comes down on those cymbals so hard, and it's it's just an engaging track. It it fulfills that primal dance around the fire, up and down sort of, you know, mm. feeling that it's great in music. It's just another one of those songs that, uh, like my best friend, I just don't think people care about. There are so many. Take Control is a good is a good song. It's worth listening to, but because Weezer is Weezer, there are twenty songs There's before so that. There's so many songs, are... and I think it, it gets lost in the uh, abyss or the sea of Weezer songs. And it is like if you are listening to that album, it is 
an awesome song on there. Yeah, I think this song in particular, but this is a, a kind of song that they make that this is also why they are great. Mm-hmm. Even the songs that no one remembers, if you go back and you really dig into it, you're like, ah. Oh, I like that song. I mean, and for me, this song has never been far from my mind. I've always, this has always been in rotation for me, which is why I wanted to talk about it on the show. Well, thank you for picking this song. You're welcome. Because I think I have a newfound respect for it. And that's exactly what I'm going for. And I hope you guys do too. Um, And I hope we're doing an adequate job of convincing you. Yes. You know, Uh, Weezer has a phrase that says, uh, if it's too loud, turn it down. And that's good advice. Uh, With this song, I'd say if it's too loud, turn it up. Bump this song. You won't regret it. Definitely turn it all the way up. Um, So. uh, Oh, do you want to know what I would be doing with this song? What would you be doing with this song? I would not be laying on a pool. No, where would you, okay, where would you be? What would you be holding? What are you doing? Okay, I'm running and I'm like getting away from someone and I'm like turning behind me and I'm shooting them like I'm James Bond or something. You're, okay. I'm like running, I'm doing like parkour. I've got a gun. (laughs) I've got to get out of there. And uh, I guess at the last scene, I'm like falling like, ah. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right, let's see if I can envision what I'm doing. (laughs) This song is playing and I'm, I'm banging on a door and it's to the beat of the song. So it's like, bam, 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 And people are like, why are you banging on the door so much? And when they open the door, it's, it's actually live there. And I didn't need to do that. You're just playing the guitar, like super, no, 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 with, no. Like, black outfit on. No, but it, no, 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 not at all. No, it turns out that I'm actually just at my own home and I don't need to be banging on the door oh, that hard or that like, much. Hey, hey, I'm having some coffee. And the song plays over me, like doing dishes and changing a diaper. <laughs> Because it's about how hardcore life really is. Oh, wow. You know, and then the lyrical content undercuts that idea because it's about like putting it down and walking away. And they're like, is this guy dissatisfied with his life? <laughs> I mean, his baby is awfully cute. And God, look at that dog. And his house is in pretty decent shape. Dishes are so clean. Yeah. I, I like to contrast things, you know. Yeah. You went, you went opposite direction. Yeah. But I do think yours is way more rad, though. <laughs> I see snowmobiles. I see guys in black hoods. Yeah. Lots of Israeli firearms firing. Yes. <laughs> and lots of, like, panicked face, but, like, intense and focused. Yeah, intense focus. Yes. Oh, or maybe maybe you are um, a blacksmith and you're making swords <laughs> for crusaders in, like, 1153 in France. Yes, and there's sparks flying and I'm banging a hammer and I have like a leather apron apron and you don't believe in the war so that the lyrical content has more to do with how you're like I'm leaving this war behind after I make this one last sword and the final scene of that one is like I just throw my hammer on the floor and walk out exactly or something or what if you turn out to have made the arrow that kills Richard the Lionheart so you're like I'm leaving this war behind and I'm done but you made the arrow that killed the leader of the, the, the British the English? I don't know history. This is not the history podcast. It should be, though. <laughs> Were it better researched? Okay. Are we? So that was a remarkably enjoyable chat about Take Control. Hopefully we have illuminated some interesting factoids for you and have led you to purchase, download, stream, do not torrent the song. Uh, but now we're going to rate this bad boy. And this one is is super easy for me because I love this song. Uh, but uh, Rachel, please go ahead. Well, I gave it one laser eyes rivers, a lightning strap, 
Pat jamming on the drums, Blue Album River's Head, and a Blazer Brian for a total of 11. 11? Mm-hmm. How can it go? That doesn't make any sense. Should max out a 10. Mm. Well, it makes my rating stupid. <laughs> anyway, I give it a Laser Eyes River's, a Lightning Strap, a Scott in a Vest because Scott rules as I have outlined in this episode, and one Blazer Brian for a total of 10. Which I thought is as high as it could go. So I was like, it's already a 10. But it, it is a super confusing rating system. I know. I'm sorry. But it's on purpose. It is for fun. No one will ever understand what the rating system means. No, you just got to join the fun and embrace uh, uh, it. Yes. So we're looking at uh, 10.5 total. 10.5. That's pretty high for a not well known. Uh, it's a good song. You, I mean, I don't think all the songs are going to be. Like highly rated like this. No, but, but don't um, don't you feel a little gun shy about saying like this is a three because we don't really want to crap on the band and it's up to us to pick songs that we like, but we should also pick songs we don't. Maybe try to convince ourselves to like them instead of the audience. Well, I think well, I think just doing research makes you like it more. We walked a mile in that song's moccasins. Yes. And now we can't unsee the world the way we see it now. Yes, it grew on me. More than I thought it would. Which makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we hope it grows on you too, if you don't already love it. And if you hate it, give it another shot. Although I don't see how you could hate it. I'm sure sure somebody can. Yes. Uh, Oh, uh, yeah. Somebody can. Always do something. Uh, On Um, this episode, there is no garage segment this time. So this is where we bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. Of Um, course. Thank you, Rick, for... The sound mm-hmm. sounds great. It's great getting sound better. quality. Qual. High fidelity. You can't. Hi-fi. <laughs> it's hi-fi qual, qual hi-fi. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Uh, On next week's episode, we're going to needlessly truncate words so that they're harder to understand. Uh, we're going to talk about Jacked Up next time. Yep. I'm super excited. I love that song so much. It's going to be great. I cannot wait. Uh, as always... You can email us your thoughts, polite concerns, mild criticisms to weareweezerforever at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, mm-hmm. we are, Weezer. we are, Weezer. We are Weezer. We are, we are Weezer. Um, but as always, we love you dearly. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. We are Weezer, and you are too. And adios. Adios. I like police.